Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the programme, We'll be previewing the business cost-saving clinic that's taking place in Lerikini on Monday, May the 22nd with the head of enterprise at Donegal's local enterprise office, Brenda Hegarty. My first guest this week is the owner of Orchard Stables at Manor Cunningham, Lisa Wallace. A native of Austria, she first came to Ireland on a family holiday in 2012 and soon after she returned to spend six months working as an au pair in Galway. After studying to become a teacher in Austria, Lisa relocated to Donegal in 2017. And in January 2020, she decided to work full-time at the stables that are located next to her home. Lisa, you are very welcome to Business Matters. (laughs) Thank you very much, Karen. Lisa, can you tell me how someone born and raised in Austria ended up setting up Orchard Stables here in Manor Cunningham? Oh yeah, that's no problem. So um, the first time that I was in um, Ireland was in 2012. Um, I just finished up my leaving certificate over in Austria and my parents asked me if I wanted to go and join them on a holiday in Ireland. And uh, I loved the idea. So we came to Ireland for about, I think, two weeks and we just travelled around the south of Ireland and we ended up um, in Galway for the last weekend and I just loved Galway. It was just beautiful. So I decided then after my leaving certificate to come back uh, to Ireland and work in Galway as an au pair. What was it about Galway that attracted you so much? I think it was just the city, um, the people there, they were all so open and friendly. I think it was the music in the streets, um, the pubs, um, everything was just so kind of like nice and small and friendly. And I just love the atmosphere about it. So I came back to work there for about six months. I stayed with a family just about five miles outside from Galway, looked after their three kids and yeah, I just really fell in love with Ireland. Um, unfortunately, after the six months, I had to go back home again to Austria uh, to go back to college. So um, I studied to become a teacher and studied English and history and I was finished then in 2017. And after I finished, um, I finished college, I decided to come back here again and um, build up the writing school here in Ireland. So for 2017, uh, and those five years, um, was that always the plan, Lisa, to come back here and do what you're doing now? Yes. So uh, back in 2012, when I was in Galway, I met Ian. So um fell in love with Ian and Ian owns the farm here in Galdena and he was the main reason why I came back here to Ireland. Um, we um, sort of had like a long distance relationship over those uh, five years between 2012 and 2017 and we got married then in 2017 and uh, shortly after the wedding we moved over here and I also brought the horses over along with me. How many horses did you bring over with you at that time? I brought my two horses with me at that time that was the only two horses that I owned back then. Yeah. And 
was that difficult? Or could you explain to our listeners even the transport uh, element of, of taking horses uh, from country to country? It was actually very easy. So I uh, got in contact with an Irish transport company. Uh, they do this all the time. They do this for a living. So uh, basically, I think the transport company was called George Mullins Transport uh, Company. I got in contact with them and I asked them roughly um, how much it would cost, you know, to transport two horses from Austria to Ireland. They gave me a price and a date when they would be able to pick them up. And within a short time, that was all arranged. And I think they traveled for about maybe five to seven days. The only... um, the only reason why they travelled so long was because there was other horses picked up sort of uh, in between. So I think they had to stop once in Frankfurt and once somewhere else. And there was other horses put on the lorry as well. So they had one or two stops in between where they had to wait for other horses. Otherwise, I think if you would have picked a private transport company, they would have been here maybe within two days. So you set up basically from scratch, built your house here? Yes, so there was actually nothing here. So where the house is sitting now and where the stables are, it was just a plain field. There was nothing. There was one old stone stable and that didn't even have a roof on it. So we really had to build everything up from scratch. And could you talk to us in in a bit of detail about what uh, is built to the right hand side uh, of your house here? Yes. So um, to the right hand side is um, the arena. Um, And there are, let me count now, I think about 10 stables. And you will also find a cabin up there that we use for uh, the parents where they can go in and make themselves coffee and tea and watch the kids while they're riding. So it's basically right beside the arena so they get a good view and they're actually able to watch from inside. And then we have toilet facilities right beside it as well. So when did you decide, Lisa, that you're going to make a a real go and make this a full-time business for yourself? Actually, it took me a few years. So the original plan when I came to Ireland was to find a job as a teacher. But because the qualifications that I had from Austria were so different to the qualifications that are here in Ireland, it was really hard for me to find a job. And I did do a little bit of subbing and I had some maternity cover and stuff like that, but I couldn't really find a permanent job. So I started then in 2018 uh, to build the arena. I actually only built it because I wanted to be able to ride my own two horses and just enjoy them and have a good time. And then um, I kind of noticed that my two horses were a bit lonely Uh, They were used to being in a big group of horses and it was just the two of them. So I bought two smaller ponies uh, to go along with them to give them a bit of company. And because the ponies were there then in 2018, I started up giving a few riding lessons, mostly after I finished my job um, in the afternoons and evenings. And it wasn't really a full time job back then. I just did it part time after work. And, and when did the, the big day come when you decided, yes, this is going to be full time? Yeah, well, it started off uh, just before the pandemic, actually. So uh, at the start of 2020, 1st of January 2020, I became self-employed. So at that stage, the writing school had grew that big that I just couldn't uh, do both. I couldn't teach and do the writing school. So I decided then that 
because I always had the love and passion for horses and I was able to work with kids as well here at the riding school, I was able to combine two things that I loved. So I decided to go for that and became self-employed then. You mentioned the pandemic. Yeah. Obviously, it had a huge impact on it your did. Pla- on your plans yeah. and, and, and things here. Can you take me back to that time? I can surely. So um, everything was sort of fine at the start when I became self-employed. Like, we didn't really have a clue what was happening. Um, obviously, um, when we uh, heard about COVID and the pandemic, we had to close down. So we weren't allowed uh, to do any work at the stables at all, which was fine for a while. Um, but um, once we were opened up again, it was actually more confusing because uh, there were so many different rules and regulations and nobody really had a clue what we were actually allowed to do and able to do. Uh, so it took us a while to figure that out. Uh, we basically then decided to just go with what Horse Sport Ireland um, put out as the rules. So... Um, we did have to change a lot of our settings. So we had to go down a lot to one-on-one lessons um, and minimize our groups to just two kids in a group. Um, So we had for each child uh, one instructor or one helper. And we also built a ramp, uh, like a a big mounting block, if you want to call it like that. So the kids were able to mount the horses themselves. So we didn't actually have to help them or assist them, which was a safer way of doing that. And we obviously all had to wear masks for a quite long time. And but it did work. It it was actually very busy now because um, outdoor activities were allowed to open up. I think it was one of the first things that was allowed to to open up again um, at the start. We were actually mad busy over the summertime. Um, some people we couldn't even take because we're a really small business. We only have a certain amount of horses. So, um, yeah, it, it was definitely a crazy time the first year. There seemed to be a lot of learnings at the same time, Lisa. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though you were curtailed uh, to some extent, being forced to roll out uh, your your business in a different way, uh, I'm sure you've learned a lot from a sense. Oh, yeah, definitely. So actually at the start of 2020, so between 2018 and 2020, when the, were the time where I started the writing school and the time where I became self-employed, there was a lot. Um, there was a lot going on. I didn't really know where I wanted the business to go, what I wanted myself. So I actually did a business course in Letterkenny which really helped me to focus on where I wanted the writing writing school to go. So um, I've actually never been like a very competitive writer myself. I always just enjoyed the horses as such, just had a passion for horses, love them, uh, love to care for them, look after them, groom them, maybe, you know, go out hacking and enjoying the Irish scenery. That was my idea of... Um, enjoying horses so that's where I also wanted the riding school to go Um, all the people that come here um, it's really important for me for them to learn how to groom a horse, how to look after a horse, how to take care for them Um, all the things that are really important that you don't maybe really learn so much in any other riding school Um, 
So yeah, our approach has changed a bit. We're we're away from the competitive side, coming to an approach where it's really just about um, learning about the horse and and um, yeah, just having a good time with them, having fun, and um, yeah, that's the main thing. And how many are employed here, uh, Lisa, along with yourself? Yeah, so um, um. Coming to, I think it was in 2019 then, um, between 2019 and 20, I got that busy that I was actually thinking, uh, thinking back now, I was working up to seven days a week. So I couldn't really do it all by myself anymore. So I employed a part-time instructor and she's actually still with me. Um, she's still coming every second Saturday and that kind of frees me up to spend a bit more time with my son. And... You mentioned your son there before yeah. we we started recording. You may tell our listeners a wee bit about him. Oh yeah, Jamie is the light of my life. He uh, he's coming to now at the end of May. He um, he's just so funny. So Jamie grows up with two languages. He grows up uh, so I speak mostly German with him, and then Jamie's daddy speaks mostly English with him, and he grows up with both both languages, which is really important for me because um, my side of the family just speaks only. German. Well, my parents and my auntie and my uncle, they can speak English, but my grandparents, they don't have any English at all. So it's really important for me that Jamie is able to speak with them now that he's grown up. How good was your English uh, before you came to Ireland in 2012, Lisa? Um, not that great. Well, I did have good enough English and I was able to communicate with people, but especially when it came to older people, I found it very hard to understand them. I always thought, um, I haven't a clue what they're saying. Just uh, look at them, smile and nod, and it will be okay. But no, I did, um, because I studied English then after my leaving certificate, my English got better. And when I moved here to Ireland, obviously, the more you speak the language and the more you practice the language, the language, the better it gets. And your grandparents are out on the lawn. Uh, yeah, what, they're here at what the your son, so uh, they've got a wee bit of extra duties this morning. Yes, they do. So uh, my grandparents are actually 80 now. It's uh, it's so fascinating to see that they're still able to fly from uh, Austria to Ireland by themselves. They still come twice a year and they're just great. Like They always help me out with Jamie. They always help me with the horses. My granda basically manages the whole stable and the horses by themselves. Um, my granny helps me in the house and uh, yeah, just love having them here. And do you go back to Austria uh, on a regular basis yourself? Oh yeah, I do. So usually it's always like uh, Christmas and then Easter and then we always plan a family holiday. So usually in July my whole family uh, likes to go somewhere like Greece or Spain and we plan to do that together for a week and then um, usually we go back then maybe again autumn time and um, Christmas again or like there are loads of my cousins and my aunties and uncles and uh, mom and dad like they come in between as well so um, sometimes if I don't have time to go over they will come and visit us here. Lisa, can you talk to me uh, about, about what you provide here at the stables? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we uh, have different services. We do uh, riding, just normal riding lessons uh, for kids from three plus. Uh, we also do adult riding lessons and riding lessons for the more advanced riders. We do hacks. 
meaning it's a ride outside on the road. Um, we do make a difference if it's a hack where we lead the kids. So that's for kids that just can't ride independently by themselves yet. And the more advanced hacks where we take the more advanced riders all the way up to the forest, which is absolutely gorgeous. Then we also do uh, pony camps. We do riding lessons for um, kids with special needs. Um, yeah, there's loads of different services that we provide. Uh, you joined up with Donegal Sports Partnership, I believe, last year for the first time. Yeah. C- can you talk to me about that initiative, Lisa? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I can't actually remember anymore how I got on to Therese, but uh, Therese works for Donegal Sports Partnership. And I think she just showed up here one day at the yard and um, she loved the facilities because it's sort of outside a bit from the city. Uh, it's really nice and peaceful here. It's quiet and that's what they were looking for the kids really um, we then um, kind of put together a program together that would suit the kids and the parents and um, she sent eight kids then uh, on a six week basis so they came every uh, Saturday for six, ki- for six weeks and it was just amazing to see how they developed over those six weeks so at the start, the kids, um, they maybe were a little bit scared or nervous. They didn't maybe want to actually touch the horse or lead it or maybe not even sit on it. And at the end of the six weeks, we had such confidence, confident young children. Sorry, how satisfying was that for yourself? Lisa? Oh, it was unreal. Like, that's, that's what I love most about my job, you know, seeing uh, parents and kids go home with a big smile, be happy and just, um, yeah, the parents as well, you know, to see their kids uh, learn new things, come out of themselves yeah. and as, uh, try new I, things. Sorry, Lisa, it is something different it is something very different yeah it's it's not something that um, every child has the possibility to do and I think Donegal Sports Partnership does a great job by offering uh, such a program to families and their kids yeah definitely and uh, you mentioned to me just before we started recording that uh, another program has just ended here recently yeah so they were so satisfied with what we were doing that they actually asked us to do another program and that just started I think in the middle of March and just ended there now last Saturday and um, yeah again it was just it was another completely different group this time and um, again it was just it was just amazing to see how um, how much they loved it and how much they got from coming here every every week. With the tourist season uh, just underway, Lisa, will you be tailoring uh, some of the services you provide here now uh, heading into that period? Um, it's a hard one for us because we are a small business, so we can't really uh, compete with the big riding schools that have a lot of horses that they can use for big groups of tourists. So we can really only cater for smaller groups, say maybe uh, parents and up to four kids or something like that, or um, two sets of uh, parents and their kids, but we can't really take any very big groups. Uh, what we can do is... Um, 
or what we usually do is we do like an introductory lesson with them in the arena where we teach them a little bit how to um, how to steer the horse, how to stop it, you know, the basics. And then when, they, when they've got that, we usually take them out in a little bit of a hack through the Irish scenery and they all usually really love that. How many animals have you at the minute? So I have eight myself and then I have four livery horses here as well. Um, out of the eight horses that I have myself, I only use six in the riding school. Uh, there's an old mare. That's the mare that I brought over from Austria. She's coming 24 now. So she's basically retired. And then I have a small Shetland, mini Shetland pony who's not really a riding horse either. Um, the kids usually just love to groom and pet them during pony camp and things like that. But uh, yeah, we have 12 all together. And is there an average lifespan uh, for some of your animals? There is, yeah. Well, usually it's a bit like this, it's a bit the same like with a dog. Uh, the bigger the dog or the bigger the horse, uh, dep- that's sort of depending on the lifespan. So usually we say some somewhere between a horse can be somewhere between 20 and 30 years old. But it really depends how well you look after your animal. You know, um, they can get a lot older too, depending on how well they have been looked after all their life. Lisa, can you give me a typical day or a typical week uh, in the life of Orchard Stables here in Manor Cunningham? Yeah, so actually uh, we have a little bit of a change here at the minute. Um, I have a girl staying with me now from Germany at the minute. She's called Hannah and uh, she does work away. So we've only really started to take work away since uh, this year. Um, It's brilliant because I get to talk to them in Germany. So usually I take people from Germany because I can talk my own language, which is nice for me. And um, they um, obviously get accommodation for free, food for free. And in return, they uh, help me with the horses. And uh, they also get a bit of pocket money and get to ride the horses. So usually um, in the mornings, Hannah and me, we go out together, we check up on all the horses. At the minute, they're out in the field. So what we do is we go outside, check that they're all there, check that they're all okay. Some of them are getting uh, hard feet, so we provide that to the horses in the morning and in the evening. Um, and then um, we check our schedule for today for the day. So usually we work Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Saturdays. And then the days that we're working, we're going to bring the horses in from the field uh, that we're going to need for the day for lessons. We usually prepare them together, meaning we groom them and tack them up and have them all ready for the kids that are arriving then during the day. Lisa, can you tell me, uh, what's the best lesson that you've learned in business to date? Um, well, that's, that's a hard one. I think for me, it's really just to... Um, believe in yourself and um, know that we can achieve anything that we want if we work hard. So when I think about myself, um, you know, I moved away from a completely different country into a new country and uh, built everything up from scratch and have achieved exactly what I've always wanted in life. Uh, Maybe it took me a little bit longer and I didn't achieve it all right away, but I always believed in myself and knew that's what I really wanted, and it did come true eventually. You seem uh, extremely content with the way things are at the moment. 
say I do like I absolutely love the riding school um, I've always had a big passion for horses since I was a child I think the first wor- word that I said was pony <laughs> so uh even there's nobody else in my family that likes horses as much as I do. I just I love them, and um, I'm really happy with how everything has turned out here. Yeah. Do you miss home at all? I do sometimes. Yeah, I do. And what do you miss at home? Uh, food sometimes. Yeah. So the cooking's a bit different, and um, sometimes then when my grandparents are here or my mom and dad are here, I ask them um, to cook something special from home. And um, what is something special from home? Uh, for example, uh, Wiener Schnitzel. So that's just something like uh, pork that is um, breaded with breadcrumbs, but it's, it, it's done in a special way, and it's just lovely. Lisa, you mentioned uh, the influence of your grandfather, and I suppose how, how well he organises things uh, when he's here. Yeah. Um, would he be your go-to person uh, for advice? Yeah, he would. Like, even um, a couple of days ago, uh, one of the horses uh, has tried to um, um, go through the fence. Um, So sometimes they just, they're just crafty. Um, They see maybe there's more grass on the other side of the field. And I would ask him then... um, you know, do you do you see? Do you know? Is there no electric in the fence, or how can I fix that? Or can you show me how I can fix it, or maybe do it different all the way so it, it works better? Yeah, he definitely would be. Like he, he, he does help me with anything. Um, he would even help me to change a tire on the on the on. Yeah, if if anything is broken or anything like that, I would I would always ask him for advice. Tell me, is there a person in business that you admire most? Um, well, I would say young people in Donegal in general. Um, there's so many young people now in Donegal that have opened up like their own businesses and became self-employed, and I think that's a big step. Um, you know, going away from employment to self-employment is a big step. It can be a bit scary and maybe you don't really know at the start, you know, how you're going to make all this work. And I do really admire them for, for taking that step because once you get where you want to be, it's just it's just brilliant. Lisa, what are the main differences in culture that you've noticed uh, since you've relocated here to Ireland? Um... There aren't that many differences in culture. Um, obviously, the language is different. Um, uh, the climate's a bit different. Now, we have um, warmer weather over in Austria during the summertime and then more snow in wintertime, where it's a little bit uh, more, um, how would you say, consistent here in Ireland all year through. Um, overall, I would say that people here in Ireland are more friendly. Um, and they're just, yeah, a bit more outgoing, I would say, and um, maybe a little bit more helpful. Um, yeah, but overall, it, like the landscape and everything like that is is quite similar. And finally, Lisa, what does the future hold for yourself and your business? <sighs> That's a big one. Um, well, obviously, I would like to see. Um, the riding school growing um, steady and for us to make improvements Um, uh, but overall 
I am very happy the way things are. Um, I feel like I've, uh, I've really achieved everything that I've wanted and um, I just wanted to keep going like that. Lisa Wallace, owner of Archer Stables in Manor Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Well, thank you very much, Karen. Join us after the break when we'll be catching up with the head of enterprise at Donegal's local enterprise office, Brenda Hegarty. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Are you a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills? ATU are offering their upcoming Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation, based around action learning. Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 today or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I am delighted to be joined on Business Matters by Brenda Higgerly, Head of Enterprise with the Local Enterprise Office in Donegal. Brenda, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Thank you, Karen. Brenda, yourself and your colleagues are getting ready to host the Business Cost Savings Advice Clinic in the Mount Eric Hotel in Letterkenny on Monday, May the 22nd. Uh, why an event like that and why now? Well... Why now is right, Kieran. So the local enterprise office is here to help businesses and specifically now with the rising pressure on businesses around inflationary pressure, rising costs, energy, even costs of labour. So there is a great drive in relation to saving costs and looking for opportunities to save costs. And we have a wide range of free supports available through the local enterprise office. So around digital green and lean. So we thought we would package these supports into a cost-saving advice clinic. So these three supports specifically can help reduce costs, improve productivity and increase the competitiveness of the business. And in in so doing, by accessing them, they're actually free. So a lot of them are expert advice. So that's why we wanted to present the opportunity to local businesses on what supports are available through the local enterprise office that they don't have to invest any money themselves. They can access them free and they will get the support to be a more digital business, obviously, to look at opportunities to drive efficiencies in their business by using new technology, by being a better sustainable business, looking, I suppose, in many ways, just diagnosing where they are in the sustainability journey. What are their energy costs? What are the opportunities to look at more carbon-friendly or carbon-neutral um energy um, uses, um, maybe solar or wind or different energy options, and then also looking at lean. And that's a very successful initiative through the local enterprise office where we um, get experts to come in, look at their processes and see where they're wasting and where they could be a, a leaner, more efficient business from within. So those three supports are available free to local businesses through the local enterprise office. What type of businesses are, are you looking to target? Well, we, the local enterprise office is um, designated by the government as the first stop shop for small micro businesses. So our main bread and butter are those businesses between not and 10 employees. But we offer a wide range of supports to all businesses. So our financial supports are restricted primarily to the under 10s, although our remit has increased recently. And we can support any business up to 50 employees. If 
unless they are um, planning to export. We the lean and green and the digital support is available. Lean is available to any companies out there up to fifty employees. The lean and the green is restricted to under ten. So different supports have different criteria. But again, if you come along on the day to that cost saving advice clinic or indeed contact us in the local enterprise office, we will ensure that there is a support available to your business, whether that's mentoring, lean, green, digital. We've also expansion grants, startup grants, but more importantly, we've non-financial supports. And often that's what the businesses find most useful, like mentoring and um, where uh, particular challenges or problems that the business might face, maybe of HR or financial or access to markets, we can assign a dedicated mentor to that business to help them with that problem. We also have training and support. So around 1,500 locals come on our training programs each year. We've Start Your Own Business programs. And we've also networks around food and engineering and the creative sector. So we've such a wide range of support. So I like to think that there's something for every business, regardless of what sector they're in, what size they are as a business, or where they are in their business journey. And is there a reluctance uh, among some business owners to maybe seek help that, that they can avail of? Yeah, I think there's two issues, maybe a lack of awareness of what supports are exactly there. So we'll, we are trying to promote and communicate as best as we can, but um, that we can always do better in terms of the communication. And then there's also the challenge facing many small businesses in particular is they are so busy. They're so busy doing that sometimes raising your head pausing and thinking about what supports are out there to support me on the next journey so, in my business. So in essence, maybe a half a day or a day out of the business uh, and investing and, and seeking advice could pay very well th- down the lane. Oh, very much so. And, and it's not just about taking the day and listening. There's great opportunity to both connect with the local enterprise office, but also in terms of other businesses will be in the room so there's an opportunity to network with them and also to hear the journeys of other businesses you know and that's local enterprise week and different events through the year where a lot of businesses find value in listening to the experience of other business and maybe they've gone through some of the challenges that the business is facing and they can explain on how they navigate it their way through certain um, challenges with different types of supports and what change and impact it has had on that business. Brenda, you mentioned earlier the areas that are going to be covered at the Advice Clinic. Can you talk to me about those who will be speaking at the event? Yeah, so thanks, Kieran. You're going to be the Master of Ceremonies, so thanks very much to agreeing to be um, the MC for the event. And then we have um, Money Matters, so Eugene O'Kane, who is a great um financial advisor from Platinum Advisors. So he's going to talk us through some practical tools and advice on what businesses can do to apply um, new cost-saving efforts to their business and opportunities to better plan for the future. And he will um, 
give us financial advice on different aspects of um, financial planning and supports available for the business. In terms of lean, um, we have Pembroke, who works with a lot of our businesses locally. And again, they will bring an example through from O'Reilly Sports, um, based in Ballabofay, on how they've applied the lean principles to their business. And we know the success that Marty and Stephen is in O'Reilly Sports and how that has helped drive their business, improve their productivity and address um, supply issues. Um, And then after a wee break, we will be looking then in relation to the digital journey. And um, we have practical consultancy advice from Ray Nolte, from Ray Nolte and Company Limited and They will look at green supports that's available to the business and we are joined on the day by Comet Business Anya Moynes from Comet Textile Printers in Burnfoot who is actually profiled on a national level as a green recipient for a very small micro business that has applied the principles of sustainability. They engaged an expert on a green plan for the business and then they've went on to adopt solar panels that will help their business. So it's quite a broad range of topics. Very much so. And then we will conclude with the digital. And it's really now with all the talk in the media around digitalization, new technology. And there's a bit of a fear factor there, but it's about demystifying it, looking at what is the practical digital steps that a business can apply you know, adopt. So whether that's new internal processes using technology, maybe in terms of the customer experience, um, combining maybe ordering with your manufacturing process. So just to simplify processes or a lot of cases, it's the use of data. A lot of businesses have information and data, but they don't know how to manage it and how to use it to drive sales or improve productivity. So again, there's great opportunities through learning. So we have Avril McMonagall from Mosaic Digital, who will talk to us about the digital transformation that she has been able to progress on in relation to the digital start. And we've also joined by another local success story, Claire Ryan, who is the CEO of ITIS. And she's going to give it from a supplier and an expert knowledge on digitalization and how small local businesses can adopt simple digital strategies that will help their business. So overall, between digital, green and lean, there is something there for everybody. And a business is not restricted to either one. They can actually avail of all three if it's appropriate for their business. Uh, Brenda, you mentioned uh, Local Enterprise Week, which was held uh, at the start of March. How was that? Yeah, great success. So Local Enterprise Week has been going now for many years and Donegal always put on one of the best in the country. So it's a great opportunity for us to communicate with the local businesses and match our supports with um, businesses, but also to bring expert speakers in. So we had a focus on Tweed, for example, a focus on sport and leadership through sport, digitalization. And it's really just that opportunity to show showcase and highlight the importance of businesses and particularly small businesses to our local economy and how best the support system can help them to grow and expand from a base in Donegal. And what was your main takeaway uh, from the week? 
Well, my main takeaway, obviously, well, two things. One is the collaboration with our partners because it's not just the local enterprise office that's engaged in local enterprise week. We have 20 partners, um, whether it's the ETB, the ATU, um, Donegal Women in Business Network, a wide range of partners who put on events in their own. So we... Personally, in the local enterprise office, we organised one each day. So there was five events organised by ourselves, but there was 14 other events organised by our partners. So that cooperation and support, and even agencies whose main mandate is not business, but they have a connection and they have a, an interest and a passion for driving businesses and our local economy forward. Uh, and it takes all of us to support the business infrastructure that's in Donegal. It's not the responsibility of one agency whether that's Enterprise Ireland or the local enterprise office, we all can play our part in helping and promoting local businesses. And then, Isabose, just the other takeaway that I had from the day was the importance of the small business. And just a lot of businesses just keep going, but it's a great opportunity to project just the success that they are, the challenges, how they've overcome their challenges. You know, we had um, different businesses profiled through the week and I was inspired by each and every one of them, just listening to their journeys of how they started maybe in difficult times, how they've pivoted and um, the opportunities they, they were able to identify and progress with in order to make their businesses the success that they are today. Ben, what do you feel is the biggest challenge facing the small business sector at the minute? Well, I suppose the biggest, one of the biggest challenges is rising costs. I think, you know, the input costs are increasing and then that coupled with um, price pressures, you know, because of the consumer, the, the challenge of being competitive and ensuring that your product is purchased on the shops on the shop shelf or whether your business to business so again trying to respond to the rising costs and still be competitive i think that's a big challenge facing businesses at the moment the other challenges around um just competition and and you know being unique and distinct in the marketplace um, and being competitive in relation to that. So those are some of the big challenges facing businesses. The other one that is increasingly relevant in small businesses and it has been for a while in the larger businesses is the ability to attract and retain talent. You know, there is a major skills shortage. Small businesses are competing for talent and again, rising costs in relation to that can lead to challenges, but um, attracting and retaining talent is a big issue right across all sectors at the moment. And for someone listening who has an idea uh, and isn't sure what the next step is, what's your words of advice to them? Well, I would encourage them to go for it, to think um, of the opportunities that's there. We have a range of supports that's available to help people that are thinking, you know, so our remit is those planning, starting and growing a business. So if you're at that planning stage that you have an idea and you're thinking, should I, could I, would I, then reach out to the local enterprise office. We have a business information session on a weekly basis. We have business advisors available to 
connect on a one-to-one. And we have a great Start Your Own Business program that runs regularly and it's in great demand here. And we have a new boot camp coming up at the end of the month. And then we offer online options for those that maybe don't have the opportunity to attend in person. So we have a range of options in relation to Start Your Own Business. And then we also have a, a particular emphasis on female entrepreneurs because we're trying to encourage more female-led businesses. So we have an ambition program. And again, that's going to be open for applications. And that's like a pre-accelerator to help people that have an idea to maybe um, shape that idea and start planning around developing and starting a business. So that's a female-led pre-accelerator program called Ambition. There's an information session now in May and that'll be kicking off in September. And we also have a ScaleX program that's open to both male and female. For anybody maybe has a business but really want to accelerate the business and look at new growth opportunities, new markets, ways to advance and grow their business. And again, that's a great initiative. So we've we've a suite of programs and supports for everybody at different stages. The role of, of the local enterprise office seems to have changed quite a bit in the last number of years. Yeah, well, I suppose during the COVID times, we were able to respond and I suppose the government recognised the importance of the local enterprise office at that stage in relation to its ability to reach a large number of businesses. So during the COVID times, we would have, you know, increased our supports by tenfold. In some instances, we were able to help people to pivot and get online through the trading online vouchers. Um, we were able to business continuity vouchers but the government have recognised the value of the local enterprise office and working with Enterprise Ireland to be able to focus and support those micro businesses in particular that need a little bit more support, a little bit more hand holding, training, advice mentoring and then the financial supports and they've, they've broadened the remit significantly of the local enterprise office. We now have supports for every issue that a business can think of whether and you know it's driving that new the new agenda around sustainability making our businesses more sustainable being able to adapt to the new world that is going to be increasingly pressured around the green agenda how can you drive costs down how can you offer consumers who increasingly are demanding greener products more sustainable products how can your business align with that and also supply chain you know if you're if you're inputting as a business into maybe a larger business, they increasingly are going to put pressure on you as a business supplier to present your green credentials because they'll feed into their green credentials. So again, starting on that journey through this, like our cost saving clinic day, that we can assign a consultant to your business, two free days of consultancy support from an expert that will map where you are, whether that's on your energy use on your packaging on your supply and input and how you can become a more sustainable business the same goes for digitalization we have to adapt to digital you know just 
we have less people in the marketplace, less talent and skills. So we have to think about automating some of our processes. And again, we can assign a digital expert into your business. It'll cost nothing. You will get a map, a plan of where you are in your digital journey. Maybe you're not even on the digital journey, how you can get started. And again, it's free advice from an expert and there is no onus on you to implement any of it. But if you decide to do so, then there is additional support through the local enterprise office that can help you with that. Brenda Higley, Head of Enterprise with the local enterprise office in Donegal. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thank you, Kieran. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guests, Lisa Wallace and Brenda Higley. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you're a senior manager in the private sector looking to reinforce your leadership skills, ATU are offering a Level 9 Executive MBS in Leadership and Innovation. Call 918-6206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. 